As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome, Bapam crew and new listeners. Secure your tinfoil hats, buckle down tight, and hold on loosely as we soar over the rocky tops of the La Platas on a rocky mountain high, get sucked into the vortex of the Four Corners, and settle down snugly at mile marker 420 in colorful Colorado. It is Saturday, December 3rd, Sunday, December 4th, for those of you across the pond and beyond. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you 
and welcome to We Are Paradox Media's Late Night in the Rockies. I am your host, Tessa TNT, and we are broadcasting live from the Mile High Clubhouse tonight. I'm so glad you could join us this evening. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend and a spectacular weekend so far. It's been a little cold, but not as cold as it has been. Holy shnikes, it's been getting down to almost zero degrees. It's been really, really cold this year. If you're joining us this evening live, you may be joining us under We Are Paradox Media at Spreaker. You may also find us live on KPNL Radio, which you can find on KPNL Radio at kpnl-db.com. We are also live on Saturday nights on eTalk Radio, which you can find on eTalk.tv forward slash radio. If you'd like to listen to us in your free time, whether you're working, working it, or working out, make sure you tune in to We Are Paradox Media at Spreaker, Twitter, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Facebook, CastBox, Tumblr, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podcast Chaser, and Podvine. Please make sure you mosey on over to our YouTube channel. That is where um, you can find most of our past shows. We were grounded for a little bit uh, due to certain circumstances, but it's under We Are Paradox Media. Please subscribe, like any video you've listened to, and leave a comment, whether negative, positive, or as far as if you'd like to um, have us have a certain guest on. When there is dissent expressed in the United States against policies of the Israeli government, um, uh, people here are called anti-Semitic. What is your response to that as an Israeli Jew? Well, it's a trick. We always use it. When from Europe somebody is criticizing Israel, then we bring up the Holocaust. When in this country people are criticizing Israel, then they are anti-Semitic. Now, I know what they do because I used to ask them to do it. I mean, when I was in the Mossad and we had a guy that gave us problems in the U.S. and he was speaking out and he was talking like, like Pete talked once and said, Israel is bombing Lebanon with cluster bombs. We say, hey, who's that guy? You know? And of course the campaign starts and before you know it, the guy's labeled. And he's an anti-Semite, because that's what we say he is. Hey, Tessa. Uh, hey, Jim. If you guys are wondering where that clip came from, Jim Moses gave that to us, and he's going to be hitting on a lot of things, religious high-tech, at both microcosmic and macrocosmic levels, and who is all behind it, and who has deliberately been misrepresentation uh, or rep misrepresenting things for nearly four millennia. Jim, welcome. I'm so glad you're back. Glad I could make it. I'm going to do my best to get a lot of information out. Uh, this is going to be, again, one more very challenging evening experience. And uh, forewarning, uh, there's going to definitely be some controversial matter, not quite the, of the same nature previously, um, but it is going to be something where people are going to hear a lot about the truth behind any number of different religious traditions that directly tie into attitudes of today. And I feel like it needs to be said. Um, they are pulling out. Uh, let me also, uh, before I go any further, 
the preceding two people you heard uh, were uh, a, an Israeli former Israeli prime minister of education and culture, communication, science, and the arts, not all at once. Her name is Shulamit Aloni, and she was on in 2002 with none other than Amy Goodman, Goodman who, of course, has the PBS show Democracy Now! You're not going to get more liberal. And she was referring to the whole notion of complaining. You know, when people complain about acts taken by the Israeli government, they are automatically labeled anti-Semite. And right. uh, he, she was followed by an ex-Mossad officer agent uh, named Viktor Ostrovsky of Russian extraction, talking, quite frankly, about exactly what he directs agents to do in the media through the CIA, because there is absolutely a very tight relationship between the two agencies, as well as MI6 in Britain, NATO, a lot of other non-governmental entities, although they, they, they're, perceived, excuse me, they're perceived as being associated with various governments. And we're now at a point where the intellectual dishonesty of anti-defamation league representatives, mouthpieces such as Jonathan Greenblatt, and this is in no way necessarily being, you know, I'm, I don't pretend to have a huge interest in Kanye West. At the same right. time, it's, it's very disingenuous. It's an attempt to set up Trump. I'm not a huge Trump fan. One way or the other, he is, as I have said, a means to it, a much better end, hopefully, when all is said and done. But the bottom line is that you cannot honestly claim that someone else is anti-Semitic for a few different reasons. Number one, when you're bombing and, 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 and effectively slaughtering, shooting, and, and killing Palestinians who are also mm -hmm. Semitic, Syrians, and again, I know I've said this before, Lebanese, Turks, Egyptians to a certain extent, possibly a little less because they tend to be more associated with North African tribes. Mm -hmm. and lines. Um, also because of the fact there has never been any scientific evidence produced that would suggest that Noah, who is the father of Shem or Sem, ever, you know, existed. Uh, there may have definitely been a figure, but it's just as easily, easy to declare somebody an anti-Decalionite or Gilgameshian. It, it, it gets to be absurd after a while. And this, as I've said, the anti-defamation was set up expressly to be able to whitewash uh, quote-unquote Jewish, or as I would refer to them from the outset, Zionist organized crime figures like Meyer Lansky, who acted on behalf of the Israeli government early on to assassinate, coordinate the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Uh, it has now been, I think, beyond a shadow of a doubt, demonstrated the late Michael Collins Piper in his book, Final Judgment, goes to great lengths to demonstrate it. And it needs to stop. It just, it needs to stop now because it, there is so much misery that has arisen as a result of it. We are seeing people's lives being very badly affected by this trend of now over 90 years, uh -huh. uh, close to 90 years, at least 80 anyway, since World War II. Again, not a coincidence because there is a direct correlation, as I've said in the past. But what I want to do is really get to the root of religious origins, uh, the three Abrahamic traditions, uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Christianity, particularly with respect to the Catholic um, formation, I guess you could say. 
So let's let's get started. Oh, before I forget, I also wanted to explain something because I know you probably there are probably younger listeners out there. The uh, phrase "What's my line?" The title is it refers to a game show uh, back started off black and white, and I believe it was in color for a while, but canceled. I think in the late '60s, no later than the early '70s. Uh, an actress by the name of Kitty Carlisle is wh- who I most remember from it. But it's a play on the whole notion. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...of this being a big, big... It's a game. What's the word I'm looking for? Stage that's been set for quite some time. And at any rate, long story short, also the show basically focused on contestants trying to guess what exactly these people's occupations, or in the case of those we're going to be focusing on tonight, preoccupations, um, fixations, just psychoses were. Uh, so that's, that's, that's what it's all, all about. That's why I chose that title because it really does fit. We're in the midst of just this gigantic, there's no other word to use for it. So with that, um, well, and like you were saying, the whole anti-Semitic thing. Um, I saw somebody on uh, YouTube the other day because I watch a lot of news stations through there, and he's like, "We need to stop this anti-Semitic stuff." Like, remember the Holocaust and all this other stuff. Like, if we continue on this path, we're gonna have another one. Like, it's it's just insane what's going on. Well, there's more. There's a lot more to that. Again, it's all illusory. They've they've created such a level layers of deception with respect to so much mm-hmm. that went on. And I'm not saying that a lot of people didn't perish as a result of what went on in both Germany and Russia, but I'm going to get to that more because really pull the strings together towards the end. Uh, it, that's directly related. But what I was about to say is there are two very uh, older sources that I referred back to in order to really try to understand, because I needed to have a deeper appreciation of how this all came about um, to kind of give, you know, revisit who I am. Uh, I am a independent theoretical physicist with focus on both biophysics and astrophysics. 
I, uh, I identify as being progressive. I do have roots like I will submit millions of Americans and others around the world to Jewish practices, Sephardic, coming from Spain, uh, northern Spain, Basque. Um, I am non-religious, non-deistic, and I am really trying to get at the core of these things. Uh, trying to illustrate the truth that has been obfuscated for the purpose of being able to control large numbers of, you know, large populations, really, is the best way I can put it. Uh, that has been the primary role of religion for a very, very long time, and it is these people who are tormenting us right now that have been responsible, uh, or should I be more accurate, their ancestors, going back many, many, many generations. But the first one is called The Hiram Key. It's a book, a landmark book in a lot of ways, written about the origins of those religions as well as Freemasonry by two Freemasons, uh, Robert Lomas and Christopher Knight, who actually risked their lives to do so. A number of people were very upset, displeased that they had exposed so much in the way of secrets attached to the craft, attached to religious practices otherwise. And it basically clarifies that the, 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 the roots are primarily in Egypt, uh, secondarily in Shemaria, and uh, to a lesser extent, especially with association to Christianity, uh, the Indian subcontinent, uh, northern India, tying in again with a lot of the quote-unquote Aryan practices, uh, which brings up another point I need to make, because I just found out about this within the last two days. Apparently, Kanye posted a, a logo, uh, a, a crest, a symbol oh, yes. of of the uh, quote-unquote Star of David, which simply represents the union of male and female. With a swastika you know, in the middle of it, right? We... But yes, I heard but the that the swastika... And the Star of David coexisted. That... Yeah, that's what I was never seeing. never controversial. Yeah, before uh, See, they Hitler belong used together, it. And this is something, yeah. Yeah, until, it was until it was strategically used by those who were directing Nazi practices, Third Reich exercises, and again, all of this is 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 con contrived. All of it. We'll get more into that. I've talked about it before, but it'll never be more clear when I'm done. Um, basically, this is and it ties in with something that, ironically enough, Peter Gabriel had made reference to uh, the whole album, in fact, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway in 1975 by Genesis. Uh, the Raelian cult, which was very much uh, an offshoot of Christianity um, in some ways, but again, also going straight to the point of an extraterrestrial basis, which, as I've said, and will make note of again, uh, Wayne Herschel has identified unmistakable attributes. This is kind of cutting to the chase you know, reading at the end, the whole notion of Freemasonry being based the 33 degrees corresponding to where our origins would have been based upon the belief systems of, of the Egyptians and other, other um, cultures. And it can be seen in the, um, in the, in the tracing board of Masonic tradition, whereby I forget which tracing board it is and tracing boards or illustrations that Masons are given in order to better understand concepts and sets of circumstances, uh, as well as the, the, the key or seal of Solomon, again, bringing it back to the, the Judaic 
heritage as well as um, Egyptian. They, they all correspond. They all have the same images. So at any rate, long story short, the point I was making is you already have that as part of the story. So the Raelian narrative is not so far removed from uh, all others. It's just a modern update of sorts. Um, getting back on track, the origins tie into what's known as the uniting of the upper and lower Egyptian kingdoms. And there were two pillars representative of that in a temple, the earliest temple. Uh, those pillars were referred to two cities, Thebes, which was known, that was in the south, which was known as, and I'm looking for it, I'm having trouble finding it right now. Um, oh, my. It's Emusema, uh, and the northern one was called Anu, the city and the pillar. And uh, Freemasonry revolves around the murder. Unfortunately, this gets into the, how, how Ju the proto-Jews, the Semites, whatever name you want to give to them, ended up in Egypt. Uh, I've talked about, and this really goes to how exactly we've arrived at this place ourselves, the, the, the trauma, the profound trauma that was associated with the environmental disaster that ruined or at least despoiled for a sustained, sustained period of time. The, um, the Fertile Crescent, the Tigris and Euphrates in Iraq, Mesopotamia, there needed to be a certain amount of migration that occurred. And Abraham came out of Ur, which was one of the principal Sumerian cities or settlements, to you know, migrate to the West. And undoubtedly, he had a large number of people with him. Of course, Noah emerges from Abraham in the narrative, and he was the one who built the quote-unquote big ark. We'll get to the small ark momentarily because it's critical in understanding a lot of what went on. Um, and one of his progeny, Jacob, arrived to Egypt to basically occupy, live there, reside, uh, his son Joseph, coinciding with a a, a people, a, a very mysterious people, to for for quite some time, and still viewed as such by by a lot of historians, archaeologists, called the Hyksos, which is a Greek contraction for uh, what, a title that Egypt gave them, meaning the desert princes. Of course, in fact, Moses was referred to as a prince of the desert himself, which means that he was likely associated, if not Hyksos, and by extension, what was also derisively referred to as Hibiru which from where we get the word Hebrew came from, and that more or less referred to the nomadic aspect, uh, comparing them to Bedouin nomads that wandered around the desert um, foraging because they had no means in that climate and environment in order to be able to really create an agrarian-based living. As a result of the experiences, and, and unfortunately, this is something that we have to come to grips with, depending on who you ask. There are two different documentaries that I've watched, one which really gets into the, the, the scientific aspects, the other also, but also tends to, uh, the other was uh, produced, I should say, by J or, or narrated, anyhow, by James Cameron, who, of course, was involved with the Titanic, uh, Terminator. And a gentleman by the name of, I gotta find it, 
Simka Djokovic, Djokovic, which of course is the um, Slavic form of Jacob. And again, having to do with the names, that gets into a whole nother line of inquiry that I've talked about before with respect to my own name, and we'll revisit momentarily. Everybody with me so far? I know this is very convoluted. I'm trying to get to the meat of this as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, I think we're doing good. And if we have to, okay. we can go back and listen to this or um, they can ask questions through me to you, et cetera. We got this. The bottom line is there was a very nasty conflict that emerged between the Egyptians, also known as the Kemets, Commissions, you could call them K-E-K-H-E-M, uh, from where the word chemistry comes, and uh, and these... Pro- As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Proto-Jews, these, these, these nomadic peoples, the Hyksos, that more or less, for lack of a better term, took over Egyptian culture and started abusing, started being very, very disrespectful to a lot about Egyptian culture. Uh, there was a spinoff group that started to introduce something, a more monotheistic view, an author by the name of Ahmed Osman wrote a book called mm-hmm. Moses and Agnaton, which suggested that Moses actually was the Egyptian pharaoh Akhenaten. Wow. But there's no definitive evidence to that effect, but certainly it's not unreasonable to propose either. And Basically, we look at the events of the Bible, and um, Cameron and Djokovic, I can't pronounce that name well at all. It's a fairly recent uh, documentary that aired on history as part of the Parable series. A very, very out-of-left-field geological event is what contributed to the biblical plagues, and I, I, I absolutely, this is masterfully investigated by them. Uh, and that happens to be the uh, cataclysmic eruption of the island of Thera, volcano Santorini, which, of course, with other volcanoes like Etna and Vesuvius, which, of course, buried Pompeii, the area is notoriously, you know, um, uppity from a seismic <laughs> point of view. 
And it was an earthquake, uh, a fault line that goes right under Santorini that caused that eruption. Well, because Egypt was south of there, only 400 miles across the Mediterranean, they got the brunt of it. And everything that occurred, the locusts, the frogs, the red, um, the red, you know, the blood red waters, the death of the firstborn is explained very, very well. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and post a, another resource, a set of resources that will allow people who are listening who are more interested in finding out about the specifics. Uh, it has to do with the dispensation of carbon dioxide through vents because of the eruptions, because of the earthquakes. The hail comes about as a result of commingling of hot gases emitted by the volcano and precipitation in the upper atmosphere. So that part is explained, and I, you know, the problem being is Cameron and Simca's view, or Simca's view more accurately, is they indict an Egyptian pharaoh called Second Henry Tal II, who actually corresponds in Freemasonic lore as the priest who refused to give up the secrets of what's known as kingmaking, or uh, what actually was not literal resurrection, but in the early Christian tradition, um, symbolic or figurative resurrection, being born again, of course, mm-hmm. completely eliminating the hierarchy, completely eliminates the correlation, the direct correlation to Hindu practices involved with yoga, tantric exercises, which, of course, there is a certain amount of controversy associated with that, as might be imagined, because people hear the word tantra they immediately associate it with sex. And uh, there's, there's enough evidence to suggest that it was part of those rituals. Um, also associated with the Templars who would emerge from all of this, of course, uh, before Freemasonry was established. The problem being is, is with respect to the, the relationships, the, the um, ends which needed to be taken in order to reach for the quote-unquote chosen people to reach the promised land, and indeed the Egyptians have a stelae. Greeks came into play here quite uh, quite a bit um, to an extent that I had not been aware of previously. There are stelae that are pointed to in this documentary Simca has made, which talks about the fact, and you know, credit to him that he, he concedes this, that the Egyptians viewed the Hyksos slash Ibiru as being evil ones. And that being because of the fact that there's no other way to put it, because they came out of a situation where survival was the imperative, the environmental disaster that occurred, and possibly even also extending to the uh, the, the cyclical uh, geopolar reversal cataclysm uh, that brought about a flood, at least, and the younger, what's known as the Younger Dryas Age, back in you know, not ten nine thousand BC. Um, they they had a mindset. They were they were hardened people. They were not empathetic by nature. I would put it to you basically it, it, the the way that I describe it here is they have a definite propensity towards masochistic expectations, overcompensation, inferiority complex in face uh, complexes, uh, being very superstitious by nature or devolving perhaps into a state of superstition. Again, also with Zechariah Sitchin having introduced the interpretation that a lot of the Sumerian deities were of an extraterrestrial nature. And it took quite an extensive bit, too, in terms of talking about with respect to the 10th planet, 
the disaster that produced the planet Earth as we know it uh, as a result of Tiamat being cut in half, all part of mythology if people want to dig d- deeper and very, very involved in a lot of ways. But I'm trying to more or less establish that the the culture that arrived, the people that arrived to Egypt and then returned, Moses having left Egypt at one point and then being, quote-unquote, directed by God. Uh, I've already talked about what my view of God is, and we'll t- I'll touch on that more later. But the point I'm making is these people were built to survive at whatever cost. And this is where the scorched earth policy and the rationalization of being chosen people who were headed to a promised land, that's where it comes from, because it allows them to be motivated in a way, particularly by Moses, who we know had the ability, it would appear he was an illusionist to no small extent, given the whole um, demonstration of changing the rod, his um, staff into a serpent for the edification of this pharaoh, which they identify as being Atmos, instead of Ramses, in order to be able to bring the, uh, you know, the chronological discrepancies in the line. We still have this question with respect to the Ark of the Covenant, and all evidence would suggest that they did indeed in the course of crossing. I also need to clarify, one of the biggest reveals in this documentary that Simca and Cameron were responsible for is that it was not the Red Sea that they crossed. There was a a uh, translative error made. In fact, it was what was known as the Reed Sea, which has been identified as dried up as a result of uh, the creation of the Suez Canal. And there indeed is evidence to that effect around that area. So we've established exactly what happened. It does correlate in part, at least with the seismic activity associated with Santorini, the eruption of Santorini, which, again, this is all very much tying it into Greece. And, and what I feel has very much been an abandoned belief that Santorini was what actually Atlantis was. Um, evidence would tend to suggest otherwise. And, again, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. But the next step, of course, is once he leaves Egypt with, I would point out, almost a million proto-Jews, Israelis, um, they go to what was what is known as Mount Sinai, and sure enough, as a result of careful analysis, they identify where Sinai is, and uh, also find the spring that would have been um, utilized in order to provide water at the top of what is a fairly uh, low mountain range, uh, plateaus in the on the peninsula. So that's satisfied. Good enough. Well, why exactly would, especially given so much calamity occurring in Egypt at that time, the pharaoh and his soldiers, uh, warriors, be pursuing that many people pretty much in a position where they were – it was, it was a no-win. They were doomed to fail in terms of being able to, to return, uh, reclaim very many of them at all, given everything going on. Why exactly would they be so pursuant of these Israelis? Which brings me to the, to, to the point regarding the Ark of the Covenant and what the Ark of the Covenant is, uh, scientifically ascertaining how the, the, the effects it could produce. It is my contention, based upon looking at everything, especially given the fact that the Great Pyramid 
does contain in its King's Gallery, which was designed to produce very specific resonant effects to stabilize or transmute first telluric earth energies into electricity, into, into being able to stabilize that environment, and certainly would have been, depending upon the state of the pyramid, which I will get into later, those seismic events, how much they ended up exacerbating them, aggravating them, or easing them even to a little extent is hard to say. But there is enough evidence that the Ark of the Covenant originated in the Great Pyramid. The dimensions are exactly the same, or close to being exactly the same, of the stone coffer that is still to this day can be seen in the King's Gallery. Christopher Dunn, who wrote the book Giza Power Plant, which substantiated much of this, and has, there's been sub subsequent substantiation that the Egyptians did have the ability to do justice or someone preceding them, and they inherited that ability to a certain extent, has determined that there is absolutely the provision for 27 resonant devices within what's known as the Grand Concourse leading up to the King's Gallery. So, no question that there has With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's definitely been some compromise of the Great Pyramid. In fact, I'm going to just cut to the chase where that's concerned right now. Most, if not all, of the limestone casing, outer casing of the granite, which has piezoelectric properties itself, profound piezoelectric properties, and the gold capstone, which produced, uh, which has to have produced, called the Ben-Ben stone, actually, uh, by the Egyptians, and I think to a certain extent the, uh, the Hebrews as well, produced a harmonic of the value that the Great Pyramid at large would. And a harmonic simply is a smaller measure relative to the particular media that would it would be transferred to, if that makes sense. I don't. This is getting into some physics. Well, it's just amazing uh, are, are to you... me, like the uh, mix there, granite and limestone. Because to me, like limestone has a lot of supernatural and other qualities about it with granite. Oh, my goodness. It's an insulator, which is why it becomes fairly useful, because you're not losing uh, the charge, the piezoelectric charge. That was the purpose of the limestones, uh, as, as articulated in a number of different places. Certainly Dunn recognizes the validity of that. But it's the nature of the Ark of the Covenant having derived from the Great Pyramid, which is not something that's widely recognized that answers a lot of questions as to why it could produce the effects that it did. Number one, I do not believe there is still some question as to exactly what happened to the Ark of the Covenant, whether or not it was transferred during the pilgrimage to Israel, to the area around Jerusalem, or whether or not what Moses stole. And I, 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 would, I would strongly suspect he was responsible for whatever was stolen that caused, because it threatened Egypt and indeed did lead to its decline, irreversible decline to an extent. The inter intervention of the Greeks uh, building Alexandria 
at the head of the uh, the Nile Delta did arrest some of that, but not significantly as far as the rest of the kingdom was concerned. The two kingdoms, the up, the, the lower kingdom certainly benefited from it, but the upper not so much. Um, and again, upper referring to the upper Nile. And there's a number of different tributaries. There's what's known as the Blue Nile, and then there's the Nile proper. We are told in the Bible that the Ark of the Covenant brought about a number of different effects. The most profound, the one that really stands out to me, and I think that I've answered exactly how it was done if there was what can only be referred to as uh, entanglement with the Great Pyramid, a relationship, uh, a harmonic relationship established with the Great Pyramid in order to utilize the Ark of the Covenant, the falling of the Jericho walls. And if you'll recall, it said that they circled the walls for seven days. Now, you've got a large body of people here. They are doing the same thing that Native Americans do when they, uh, when, when they attempt to create a rain dance, when they do a rain dance and try to bring about precipitation. It's a vortex. You are creating a vortex which can then be um, utilized in order to be able to introduce a vector force by the, by the Ark of the Covenant because it's, it is a highly electrostatic device. It is lined with gold inside and outside, the two um, eagles or lions, depending on who you ask, again, what exactly topped was on the lid to be able to contain the electrostatic charge, which was hundreds of thousands, if not millions of volts produced, um, was gold. And the rings that uh, the poles went through were gold. So you're talking about an enormous amount of, of, of charge here that could easily kill someone like Uzzah, who re reached out to stabilize it when it appeared that the cart, it was going to fall off the cart, and he was electrocuted for his trouble. I, again, I don't know how much you're, how much of a, you're, you're familiar with some of this more well, yeah, and it's um, like, I was thinking, well, that would be biblical a, stuff, but. <laughs> a pretty good conductor, but it's not a conductor. It's a conductor. It's not an insulator. So if you. No, but the lid, because they were used, this is the other part of the equation, acacia wood or what was known to the uh, Hebrews as Shittim, um, definitely acted as, a, as, as, as an insulator. It's very similar to the uh, orgone accumulator that Wilhelm Reich constructed, and I think he was certainly so knowledgeable. So it did work as an insulator, because I know that gold can be used as a conductor, but on the outside of this box of who knows what properties, it oh, could it's be absolutely an insulator? Being used as a conductor. Absolutely, okay. no question, and there's definitely thermal qualities being produced as a result of the two, uh, the, the, the relationship between the acacia wood and the gold, as well as some of the contents in there. Um, we'll get to the, to the Ten Commandments in a minute, but I want to really get in, I want to look closely at exactly what these effects are with a scientific eye, because I have been able to, I think, at least strongly suggest that's the nature of what exactly happened. So, we have a situation where basically we drop the walls of Jericho, which seems like a miraculous feat by any reasonable measure. But when you understand physics, resonance, you start to see, especially in conjunction with the, the telluric transmuted uh, energy that the pyramid is producing, how you could bring about something like that, even within a 500-mile distance. It's not out of the question. It's, it's, it's absolutely possible based on what is emerging relative to experiments of long-distance 
entanglement. It's it's something that's that, that makes a lot of sense when when against that backdrop, against what we now know within the last say. 35 to 40 years, at least, and certainly in the last 30, three decades. Um, the second big tip-off as to the fact and what led me to investigate was the creation of what were known as tumors and specified as tumors and no less sent back to the Philistines who had stolen or appropriated, probably would be a more accurate word, the ark, and had terrible things visited upon them. They were people uh, to a brother and a sister, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, or a husband and a wife. I don't remember. Again, my, I forgive me for that. There's just so much information I'm trying to disseminate tonight who suffered as a result of just looking at it. Oh, you know, I don't know where the lid, I'm presuming the lid was open at this moment, but just looking at it, not even touching it, they died in the Bible. It's accounted in the Bible. And then you also have a situation where the tumors are being created. That speaks to only one possible thing, radioactivity. Yeah, radiation. Radiation, absolutely. And as it turns out, gold has 40 isotopes that are radioactive. Oh, wow. uh, very short half-lives, 2.7 days, according to the chart that I referenced. But it would not be inconceivable to imagine, given the properties of gold that were already identified relative to the ability of purification, which would strangely be associated with such things as mutagenesis in a way that would be difficult for me to explain exactly, but it has to do with oxidization. Uh, if you may recall, one of the reasons why there was such a fixation upon gold by the Sumerians, by the Anunnaki, was because it was going to be utilized in order to purify the atmosphere of their planet, which, again, is the 10th planet, Marduk, as it's reported. How much there's a relationship to the, what's the, the Pleiadian, the Tatorian, and I'm going to get more into the relationship of that to Freemasonry is hard to say, but we do know they coexist. Why, how is not clear yet. Um, at least not to me anyways, and I don't think that Sitchin ever really had a handle on it either. There's a very definite separation between Sitchin and Herschel's conclusions relative to extraterrestrial origins. But at any rate, so we know that the Ark of the Covenant was a highly advanced technology, tech, you know, device that probably goes back thousands of years before the Egyptian kingdoms were established, the, the people that actually constructed the Great Pyramid and the, the, you know, the, uh, the, the Sphinx, which we have absolute evidence dates back to uh, the time of the Younger Dryas, the deluge, the flood, whatever euphemism you want to use for it. This is very, very old stuff, and I would say the Ark of the Covenant certainly dates back to that time because we can't establish empirically that the Egyptians had a command that they were able to utilize electricity as to the extent as might be suggested otherwise. Herein lies the problem with the characterization of what is essentially a, 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 an a archaic storm, again, quote-unquote God, we'll say deity, Yahweh. Yahweh is not, does not, based upon his conduct or its conduct more accurately, it does not correlate to any intention. It correlates to natural phenomena. 
the burning bush produced as a result possibly of, of, of volcanic actions or seismic actions to be more accurate because they're not necessarily a full-on volcano or simply lightning striking it. Um, and, of course, the uh, immediate association with effects by the Ark of the Covenant. So we hear the, te- the term the, the home of God or the, the, um, the abode of God, I think, is the one that's used to describe both the, co- the Ark of the Covenant and the associated tabernacle that was constructed, which a lot of people are not aware of what exactly it consisted of. Well, basically, means of optimizing electrostatic charge. There's just no other way to put it. Camel hair, more gold. Uh, just Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every indication that it was about optimizing, optimization of electrostaticity in order to be able to utilize it to its utmost potential. We see that it has levitational potential as well as a result of it being, you know, leading literally leading, according to biblical scripture, leading or, or, or advancing in front of Israelis and, 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 and with a very powerful, what's the word I'm looking for, leap. I, I, that's the only one that comes to mind. Um, it all ties back to vortextual forces, the utilization of, of, of Earth energies, of, of, of zero-point elements. And, and this is something that would definitely be interpreted by a people predisposed to superstitious beliefs as being miraculous, as being something that came from a god or a super-being or a deity, when in fact we were witnessing nature. The origins of God are natural. This is what really mm-hmm. comes through to me. When one looks closely at the, these attributes, the only conclusion that can be arrived at was the misperception of natural forces as being somehow the expression of a deity. Um, and that's where things like start to go haywire. supernatural, I guess, is where people get it confused. Like, that's natural, but it's supernatural. Exactly. So it's extreme. Exactly. So they're like, a god must have done this. Exactly, because that was the only rationale they could arrive at, given their level of, of, of cognitive and spiritual evolution. It had to be, and as a result of this, they externalized the factors that brought about these effects, how they were affected by them. Um, because if you read the actions of Yahweh, he is one capricious, nasty, 
bastard. There's no other yeah. way to put it. He's he killed people that that that, that are that are allies. You know, he, he it just it's just very random. The whole thing is very random. So you cannot say you cannot attribute individuated attributes on uh, boy that's redundant individuated characteristics except in as much as you produce from the same plasma which is at the core of our existence which is really what god is plasma the the magnetic configuration of gases that have very versatile abilities to be reconfigured into any number of different forms life the materiality all stemming from this particular media that exists throughout the multiverse plasma Mm -hmm. that's what it all is that's at the core of everything including ourselves so immediately this is where things go awry and where so much of what we've had to endure for thousands of years since stems it's just we we admit the misinterpretation and what's more the narcissistic value attached as a result of it Mm -hmm. this is where the problems arise in terms of how much has gone on since and i'm just i'm looking through my notes because i've i've reached a point whereby we're we're starting to get into the origins of Christianity. Yes, and we and have about nature. um I believe How long six, we got? Yeah, that's a good I was actually yeah, a good idea to tell about me. About 6 minutes before our music break, so Okay, so let's get to the invasion of the Babylonians, which of course was another expression of the Mesopotamian culture, although perhaps not as advanced. What went on in terms of Ezekiel transforming into the prophet Enoch? And what he actually saw was a restoration of a very dogmatic Jewish tradition, which also was shared by the Nazarenes, the Essenes, the proto-Christians, who wanted to reestablish true Jewish law, not deviate from it, which is something that's not well understood by a lot of Christians necessarily. And it almost becomes ironic until you begin to understand what was going on at the time of Jesus' ostensible arrival. And again, birth, an archetype at the end of the day. But wait, there's more to this story. We're talking about not one but two messiahs here. This is something that is made clear in the Bible, although it's not evident because there's no distinction apparent in Western tradition. There's no there's not a lot of emphasis placed upon this in part because of the fact that it opens up the apocrypha to far greater scrutiny the the secrets that the catholic church in particular which the forma- the formation of which i will get to also after the break does not want its parishioners to know about they just want it's it is something that destroys their whole reason for being at the end of the day as a result but there were two messiahs. And whether they were brothers is hard to say, but we're told by the Bible they were. And that is James and, again, you know, is uh, my belief is there's a problem in terms of immediately associating it with the name Jacob or Yaakov in Hebrew, as opposed to the Sumerian Shamash, which you can see expressed in both Scott, the Scottish name, my name in Scottish and Irish. Hamish and Seamus. Um, but at any rate, 
we're getting to the point where basically these two brothers are re- reestablishing or, or, or reaffirming, rather, the Egyptian-based Jewish tradition with respect to Solomon's Temple. I skipped ahead a little bit because, again, Hiram Abiff is the figure that corresponds to the Egyptian one, Second Henry Tau II, that was murdered by what apparently can only be recognized as Jewish criminals um, trying to get the secrets of quote-unquote king-making that it were associated with the, uh, you know, Osiris, Isis, Horus, all the celestial deities that correspond to astronomical uh, events, passing of day into night into day, being analogous with life and death in the Egyptian tradition, carrying over to Solomon's construction of a um, firmer tabernacle, for lack of a better term, uh, the temple in Jerusalem, and again, his association, direct association with the Pleiades, with the 33rd degree angle of this home world that is identified by Wayne Herschel. Um, Again, another resource which I will include as part of this set so that people can look at it. I have uh, certainly shared it before, but now more than ever, it becomes critical as a basis of comparison. But Jesus and James were vying to be, Jesus was first looking after, John the Baptist, of course, was murdered. He was one of the uh, Essenes that was attempting to revive the um, the, the, the uh, Orthodox Jewish traditions associated with the temple, re-erect the temple after it had been destroyed by the Babylonians, uh, or was it the Assyrians? The, the Assyrians. I, I, there's so many in the, in the mid um, first millennium, around the same time that uh, they sacked Jerusalem. So I believe it was the Babylonians. So they're trying to reestablish the temple and serving as the aforementioned pillars, which uh, were assigned the names Boaz, as corresponding to the kingly one. Uh, and uh, Jaquin, or Yaquin, which was about the establishment of uh, civilized society, the, the uh, Jewish civilized society, uh, by virtue of the temple being completed by Solomon, uh, who, of course, was affiliated with David, and I believe there may be Egyptian correlations to David. I would also remind you, since I forgot about this, that gold, the whole notion of alchemy, comes directly from the Egyptians, because they were known as uh, Egyptian is the Greek name assigned to them. They actually were known as uh, uh, the, uh, Egypt was called Kamer Kemet, and they were known as the Kamashians or Kamishans. Um, that's how the word alchemy comes to be. That's also how the word chemistry comes to be, uh, all from the same source. But at any rate, John the Baptist is beheaded under very unusual conditions. I mean, it's said as a result of Herod's daughter, Salome, but um, he becomes a, uh, his head becomes a, um, a, a very important religious relic uh, referred to as Baphomet and um, appropriated to varying extents by cults that were then associated as with Satan, Set. Again, another, you know, Egyptian origin, Set on Common being the deification of Set, and at one time Set was viewed as being a, 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 um, 
benevolent deity also, you know, around the Levant, Canaan, so forth and so on. There was a lot of confusion back in the early days of the Christian church. And as I say, a lot that is not necessarily known, nor would certain parties would want known uh, regarding the tantric aspects of it, the ties to Hindu practices that I absolutely, that I, in my estimation, cannot be dismissed. James and Jesus are going back and forth, as, as, as it said, in terms of representing, being the human representations of the, uh, because Jesus Christ basically is representative of the quote-unquote king of the Jews. So he is the royalty in this uh, picture, whereas James is known as Jesus Barabbas, which means son of the father in Hebrew, literally. And that would assign to him a more priestly role in, 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 this, in this scenario. Of course, Jesus chooses Jesus Christ, these names, again, not being really accurate, but uh, superimposed by, in the case of Jesus Christ, the Greeks. And he basically volunteers to be the one who gets sacrificed, to be the martyr, mm -hmm. as opposed to James, who is the younger brother, who then attempts to assume the role of both pillars himself, because Jesus originally wanted to out of fear that there would be problems in terms of the way that James was perceived. Some serious drama here. There's just, there's, you know, there's no way around it and definitely human foibles associated with it. So to suggest that he was literally resurrected and there was an immaculate conception related to the divine feminine, which ties in after the fact to Roman beliefs associated with Isis in, in Egypt, Diana, Iana, coming out of Samaria, Venus, Dionysius, all these different female figures that are part of mythological lore. Where am I going with this? I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little, I'm, I'm, I'm falling a little astray here. At any rate, this might be a good place to break. I don't know how close okay. we are to the actual <laughs> break, but um, we're, we're at a, a point where over, basically the early okay. years where things start to go absolutely uh, bananas. I can't wait to get back into it. Seriously, like, I love hearing all this stuff and referring back to what I've read and what I know to be true and, you know, what doesn't just settle with me. But yeah, it's been pretty awesome so far. So um, on this music break, we have Prime Example from Milwaukee, Wisconsin with Dancing Machine featuring Miss Carolyn Giles. And we have Gravity from Krakow, Poland with Throw You Away, as well as Take a Walk in My Shoes. And then we have Fred Johnson III from Canyon County, California with Sugar. You guys don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this music break.
I really love it how your body so far. Dance all night, little lady, it's your call. Step, 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 baby, follow my lead. You and me showing off for the club to see. No time to get rest, we doing our thing. Cha, cha, then we dip, top it off with a spin. Glide across the floor, let's do it again. By the way, little mama, can we be friends? I can't let this night just end. I really want to know if I can see you again. Give me your number, we'll get back on the scene. We can hit another club if that's your thing. We'll be partners in crime, you and me, as we ripping up floors like two dancing machines.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Without you 
Welcome back, and thank you so much for joining us this evening on We Are Paradox Media's Late Night in the Rockies. This evening, we have Mr. Jim Moses. Jim, welcome back, and thank you so much for being with us and sharing what you have thus far. I'm on the edge of my seat, seriously, and just listening and trying not to interrupt. Thank you for the opportunity, and I do appreciate that very much. Uh, always welcome being able to talk about a lot of the things that I've discovered and realized is a better word, I think. Um, where we were talking about the uh, the earliest uh, stories of Christianity, or what would be referred to as Christianity, um, something that is not necessarily known by a lot of of people is that uh, the cross, quote unquote, cross that um, Christ was 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 crucified on was actually not a, a, a cross with a head a headrest. No. 
for lack of a better term, it was what's known as a Tau cross. And I alluded to this before, again, tying in with the whole Taurian imagery. Uh, the triple Tau simply means the connection of three echoing or, or, or being a reflection of the pillars and what's known as the cornerstone arch, the keystone arch. Um, but it's significant because it really does point to the Egyptian origins of both Judaism and Christianity, primarily Christ, uh, Egyptian orders, origins. Um, so we have a situation that's arisen at that point. You've got Rome basically expanding, and out of the Etruscan traditions, Mithraism, which was an, uh, something that emerged from Syria, Zoroastrianism being its complement in uh, Iraq, uh, and very much itself coming from the Sumerian traditions, although those were much further before. Um, and you have a collusion that occurs with, uh, I'm presuming you've heard of the Pharisees, which were a Jewish sect, uh, political organization. Um, but the one that's less known is the Sadducees, who were the aristocrats, and they really answer to a lot of the forthcoming elites that would begin to dictate policy all through Europe, in particular as it spread from Rome, Christianity. In fact, there is a statue that depicts Roman centurions or Roman uh, soldiers carrying a menorah that, that appears in Rome, and it really does symbolize or signify transfer of religious influence from Jerusalem to Rome, not by accident. And uh, the Sadducees, Sanhedrin, largely comprised the Sadducees, as might be imagined, were only too happy to go ahead and uh, defer to the Romans in order to be able to coexist, whereby they were not completely wiped off the face of the planet by these people who just basically were ruthless. Um, there are definite personal characteristics between the uh, between the quote unquote Jews, but again, what I refer to as the Zionists and the Romans. But the Romans were also Zionists, and again, this is a belief in the whole belief to describe Zionism or Zionism as it's better known is the belief that there is, and, and it corresponds to Sadism as well, a belief that one's purpose uh, is is to teach, condition, ostensibly lesser souls, you know, uh, polish them, you know, to use, to use the analogy sometimes referred to as, as the rough stone, polish them into spiritual gems. Basically, their existence, their whole reason for being is to dominate, is to be the rulers, is to put these, these perceived as lesser souls through rites of passage, which does in part come from Egyptian traditions associated with kingmaking, as I've talked about before. In fact, there's some thought that the Great Pyramid was utilized for that purpose, a number of different Egyptian temple complexes. But so much of what we've seen since the domination of the Catholic Church, not based on true Christian principles and by extension Jewish, although 
again, a lot of appropriations of certain Jewish attitudes and traditions, very much associated with the Sadducees, you begin to see very rapid spreading throughout Europe. You see it go to Spain, where uh, the Suevi, a lot of the tribes that emerge post, after Rome's decline and collapse, or collapse and decline, depending on who you ask, um, the Visigoths, the Ostrogoths, the Suevi, who uh, occupied part of Spain um, and Italy, the, the association, again, the, the, the distinction between cultures, modern, overwhelmingly modern, this being what an Italian heritage looks like, and a Spanish and a Swiss, very new again. They, they came along much later in comparison. And German, also much later in comparison. France, uh, of course, Germany, as I've said, France and Germany comprising one uh, country or nation state called Francia. And you can see that in the language uh, exchanges. Frankfurt, Germany, definitely Frank tying in with France. But we look at the British Isles and the association with Egypt, SCOTI, as I've talked about before, which is embraced by a lot of people in the British Isles. Uh, in fact, there's supposed to be a gravesite for her, as well as the aforementioned association with Gaelic and earliest Christianity slash Judaism. Um, the parallels of Pogum to Hebrew scripts, the elimination of vowels, um, again, some of the earliest forms of writing after, um, after Egyptian cuneograph and, and hieroglyphics, um, cuneiform, I meant to say. Um, I'm just trying to kind of be able to create a, a, a good... Catholicism did not reach Ireland until the 7th century, the late 7th century. And in fact... Thank goodness. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the Celtic Church was what might be viewed as uh, being more in, in attuned, as I say, to early Christian attitudes, beliefs, um, even, I would dare say, Protestant, what would become Protestant. There is an element of Protestantism in the Celtic belief system, and that includes Druids. Um, which, of course, St. Patrick was not technically Irish. He was actually British and a pagan at that. Uh, this whole notion <laughs> of driving snakes out of Ireland is just not true. <laughs> right. Uh, a lot of, a lot he was of this very was a afraid Catholic of invention. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The snakes representing the life force, all yeah. going back to the whole notion of the serpent in uh, Mesopotamia, in Eden, the Garden of Eden, which was a Sumerian location and simply the ability of humanity to make decisions for itself. The tree of knowledge was, the apple was all about understanding and how things this. worked and making decisions about that for themselves, as opposed to deferring to a externalized deity. Um, as to the Ark of the Covenant, I should add, and this is a very uh, obscure reference, it is thought that a Greek tribe, or what, a, what the Greek called the Danoi, or Danoi, and uh, may, it's directly related to the tribe of Dan, the Hebrew tribe of Dan, as well as uh, the Irish founders, uh, alleged Irish founders, uh, Tuatha de Danan, that Dan factor being throughout, they were the ones that actually created the Ark of the Covenant, it said. Again, no real way to be able to trace that back because we're talking many, many, many generations and thousands of years. 
I just wanted to put that out there because I'd overlooked it previously in conjunction with that time where these effects brought about by the Ark of the Covenant were occurring. But to kind of get more into the what can only be referred to as the Catholic cult, there are what are known as the Paulists, which, of course, Saul became Paul, St. Paul, and then you have Peter, which simply is a reference to one of the earliest um, fathers in the Catholic Church. Um, Peter is related to the word pater, which, of course, means father, and Zeus, Jupiter, Peter is part, uh, is Peter and Peter, Jew Peter, it would be actually pronounced Zeus. Zeus Peter is, is, is what it was, a combination of the words, the Greek god Zeus and Peter, who was the saint, and, and, and more or less trying to uh, mold those traditions together. Um, the, the early Irish and, and, and in general British Isles traditions more or less emphasized once more that there was no true distinction between monotheism or belief in a singular deity and animism, which meant that God or, or the life force existed in everything. It's the same thing. There's no difference. And that was more evident probably than anywhere else early on in the British Isles because of the Gaelic and Druid traditions, the Celts, who had emerged themselves from originally emerged from the uh, the Caucasus, the steppes, as you know that there are uh, there is Celtic DNA that's been identified in Chinese graves, Western China graves, ties this all together. And Maurice Carroll wrote a book that I am hoping to reread in light of everything that has emerged since, called Jesus, the Holy Grail, King Arthur. Amazing, amazing book. And at some point, maybe I'll talk more about that. But I'm not I'm not familiar enough with the specifics. It's a very challenging book to read, like a lot of the ones that I have. But Scott Chronicon, which was compiled uh, in the 16, late 16, early 1700s by uh, Walter Bower, can be viewed as being at least semi-reliable relative to Scotty. Uh, this, you know, this remnant of Egypt princess that, that married into the Celtic culture, literally and figuratively, perhaps. So we get to a point whereby there's a, there's a confluence of two events. First, you have the Templars emerging to recover as part of the Crusades to remove the, and this is where it gets weird, whether or not they're renegade Islamic peoples that have invaded Spain have invaded Jerusalem, the Moors, the Saracens. They go to eradicate them from Jerusalem, again, ostensibly, but the real mission is, and is made very clear, to recover the scrolls that detail king-making, that detail the true origins and practices of the Essenes, the early Christians. At the same time, a very, very important event occurs, and I'm going to, I've been corresponding for quite some time. Someone who contributes to a has a Substack page in Britain, and I, basically, there is no easy way to put this. As a result of the following events, uh, associated in a of all things, a Steely Dan song from the, their debut album, "Can't Buy a Thrill," 
called Kings, which at first appears to be about Richard Nixon and John F. Kennedy, actually has to do with what I'm about to read. And she, she says, what should be emphasized is the fact that King John broke the terms of this charter, which had been arranged with the Catholic Church and Britain, by signing the Magna Carta, most important document in terms of establishing human rights. I'm just qualifying this, uh, injecting or interjecting. On June 15, 1215, remember, the penalty for breaking the 1213 agreement was the loss of the crown right to the kingdom to the Pope, acceded to the Pope and his Roman Church. It says so quite plainly. To formally and lawfully take the crown from the royal monarchs of England by an act of declaration, on August 24, 1215, Pope Innocent III annulled the Magna Carta. Later in the year, he placed an interdict, which is a type of pro prohibition, on the entire British Empire. From that time until today, the English monarchy and the entire British crown belonged to the Pope. By swearing to the 1213 Charter in fealty, King John declared that the British-English crown and its possessions at that time, including all future possessions, estates, trusts, charters, letters patent, and land, were forever bound to the Pope and the Roman Church, the landlord. Some 500 years later, the New England colonies in America became a part of the crown as a possession and trust named the United States. By agreeing to the Magna Carta, King John had broken the agreement terms of his fealty with Rome and the Pope. The Pope and his Roman Church control the crown temple because his knights established it under his orders. He who controls the gold controls the world, which basically means, to, to, to bottom line this, the United States of America, incorporated in 1871 as a result of Jesuits uh, representing Rome, tricking uh, President Ulysses S. Grant was incorporated, it has been since the arrival of the pilgrims to Plymouth Rock under Vatican rule for 400 years. We have not been independent. We already knew this to some extent because of the association with Britain and the crown. I did not know this specifically until just a few months ago after the appearance, the last appearance. Now, I'm not down with that. How with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. However much background I have of a Catholic nature, I am, I, it, 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 it repulses me to think that, you know, a, 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 an individual who presumes to, to dictate how my life will proceed has that level of control, has been granted that level of control as a result of events. 
the presumptiveness involved with this is is breathtaking. You know that a religious organization thinks that it can control policy of billions worldwide is the absolute height of narcissism and arrogance. Again, this is directly associated with Zionist thinking. The merger of the Jesuits and the Illuminati into the Zionists, modern expression of the Zionists. But as I say, the, 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 the essential Zionists began back in the biblical times. You know, you're talking about the Sadducees, you're talking about the Jewish aristocrats, you're talking about the Romans, you're talking about raging narcissists, violent, vicious, very, very much animalistic, and by extension, evil. Really evil ones. Recently, like, I'm not really political, but just all the different videos that have been popping up and stuff, I'm like, holy shnikes. And um, generally, there's been a really good separation of church and state, but it seems like it kind of colluded and is trying to re-separate again. I don't know if you've seen that too, but I don't know. That's kind of how it seems to me. No, they're not. So this particular, I mean, again, it's a situation where there are problems in general with religion. Spirituality was always the way to go. And the Native yeah. Americans, I'm just going to interject once more. Definitely. The Native Americans have been far better stewards of the planet, had a better relationship with their creator nature. Again, the term great spirit is perfect. I can't, I mm-hmm. can't improve upon that. No. You know, I, there's a real deep respect for Native Americans fundamentally. I'm not saying that all of yes. them are, 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 um, are pure or anything else, but <laughs> yeah. just as any people, this, again, I have, I also have to emphasize this. I am not suggesting for one minute, this is no stereotyping going on. The sins of the father are not to be visited on the sins of the son every time. But the problem is, is a lot of the descendants of these people we're speaking of that migrated from Canaan that, you know, and came from Carthage, established themselves, you know, genetically uh, different, the giants of which I've spoken about. Mm-hmm. And again, how large these, these, these hominids were, I, I shared with you a photo on Facebook where Michael Tellinger from South Africa, an independent researcher, uh, very, very brilliant in his own way. Uh, he does extrapolate more probably than a lot of other people. Of course, Wayne Herschel also being of South ex- uh, African extract extraction. He's standing next to a footprint that is almost as big as him, which would correspond to a hundred foot tall hominid. And some, there were some reports that they stood as tall as 300 feet. Now, that's a giant. That's a giant giant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot of questions. This looks like a real footprint. This is not Photoshopped or anything of the sort. Do you this remember is an actual footprint. Um, it's not a work of was? art. Where that was taken? That's South Africa. That's in South okay. Africa that he's standing next to it. I'll share the photo as okay. part of the set. And you, you will not believe your eyes. This is not retouched. I know what a retouched photo looks like. Miles Mathis has educated me with respect to that quite adequately in terms of his genealogical explorations and uh, photographic analysis. So this is not photoshopped or retouched, uh, you know, um, upsized. My point is this. I'm just briefly revisiting that these Near Eastern migrants terrorized Native American populations at least a thousand, if not more years ago, whether they came directly from Canaan, per se, or uh, 
you know, Carthage is hard to determine. And they came, there's abundant evidence in terms of script found on different rocks like the Paribas in, in Brazil, the uh, Fuente Magna Bowl in, Fuente Magna Bowl, rather, in, in uh, Peru, um, or that was found around Lake Titicaca, uh, you know, which is thought to be a very ancient civilization with consistent Near Eastern uh, interactions. They came and they basically had their way. You know, they treated the Native American population brutally. And this was 1,000 years ago. Again, this was the original expression of Manifest Destiny, being the chosen people, assuming the promised land. Uh, you know, again, the promised land being the whole planet, essentially, in their minds, that because they were superior beings, <clears throat> they had a divine charter to go ahead and help themselves. So, you know, we have a situation where the progeny of these people, uh, John D. Rockefeller, who's directly associated with the European elites, the, what I refer to again as the phobility that emerged from the union of the Sadducee Jews and the Catholics, the Canaanites, builds a, a, um, a cottage, a, a dwelling over the graves of children sacrificed by one of those Near Eastern migrant tribes, the Tequan. The, the, I can't pronounce that name. The T-I-C-U-A-N, Tiquan, I think it's pronounced, if I'm not mistaken. Like a Tiquan or something like that. Tiquan. Tiquan is what I think it is. Tiquan. Um, so it's very clear as to how much Native Americans have been in the sites again and again of these, of these creatures. They migrate from, as I say, they migrate all over Europe significantly we have the Grecian characterization of Canaanites because of the red ochre that they wore on their skin as Phoenicians. And the expression of that, as I've said, the people from Venice are called Phoenicians. And of course, the association with the, the resurrection, the, you know, the, 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 not the literal necessarily, but figurative certainly, of the Jewish church or the Christian church, of anything having to do with that religious, the Abrahamic traditions. When you stop and think about it, and I only realized this, Venice is not related to the, the, the Latin verb to go or to be, but rather it is a, long, a, a short E expression of the word Phoenix. If you say Phoenix is Phoenix, and the V and the PH being interchangeable, it becomes apparent. It's clear that Venice is where they migrated to at some critical point in time and became the, the bankers. That's where the bankers really got going before they started uh, traveling to um, locating in the Netherlands, in Britain, in Germany. The first point after the Roman Empire, and of course you did still have the Ottoman Empire and the Holy Roman Empire, which only confuses matters, but again, a lot of it has to do with rights to the throne in various countries, particularly France. The Venetians were very, very brutal people. Not all of them, but a lot of them. The way that they treated outsiders, um, the tricks that they used, the, the, the scheming, in order to be able to manipulate, which we see 
the blackmail, really, you know, these traditions that we have seen on the part of, you know, intelligence agencies in association with people like Jeffrey Epstein, um, Meyer Lansky, a lot of people associated with the establishment of Israel as a state in 1947 have a direct relationship to these traditions. So it doesn't become a distinction between this is a Jewish person and this is a Catholic slash Christian person and this is an Islamic person. It's the same tradition. The Abrahamic religious traditions really don't differ all that much. There are distinctions, but they are for the benefit of, of those viewing from outside, if that makes any sense, in order to be able to manipulate their perceptions for the benefit of the Zionists. So we know that Venice is a port of call, no pun intended. They've created this, you know, community, expanded community out of the marshes on, uh, you know, on the shores of the Adriatic Sea. Um, it makes, it's, it's ideal in terms of being isolated sufficiently that they're not going to be invaded, at least not immediately anyways. And they can pretty much control a lot of affairs around Europe. Um, on, on behalf of those who have been pulling the strings many, many, many centuries. Um, we've arrived at a point whereby you start to begin to see everything fall into place. You start to understand how we got to where we are. Number one, we're under Vatican control, which by extension means Zionist control. So we're immediately in a position where we don't have a lot of ability, although we think we do. There is this deception that we are independent, that we are a free nation, that we are sovereign, when in fact we're nothing of the sort. And if you look through the, uh, the, the, the focused lens, you will see the industrialists being part and parcel of all of this. So you've got Rockefeller, you've got DuPont, you've got Carnegie, you've got Mellon, You've got these people, J.P. Morgan, that are doing everything they possibly can to optimize their ability to control the affairs of those they view as being lessers, you and me, obviously, because, well, we're not ambitious enough or we don't want to do enough in order to be able to succeed on their terms. Again, the whole notion of sadism and masochism, those who believe they have to do so are the ones because they're afraid there will not be the that there will not be the level of safety, the value attached, if everybody doesn't go ahead and do this. And as I said, that is textbook definition of a kindergarten mentality where, well, if somebody doesn't confess to it, if somebody doesn't play along, everybody's going to get punished. Again, really, really primitive ways of looking at life, but this is how they operated. This is, you know, the carrot and stick notion of, of, of controlling populations. Um, we see gross violations occur as a result of these attitudes. I mean, you can certainly look, as I said, as said in the past, the sinking, attempted sinking of the USS Liberty by the Israeli government with Lyndon Johnson's, what's the word I'm looking for? Complicity would be one, but acquiescence, I think, is a better one. <laughs> acquiescence, because he had connect, Jewish connections himself. And all of Texas is, is there. There is a direct correlation 
to the Zionists uh, as relates to Mexico, because Mexico has long been a, a, a um, destination for them. Going back to the Aztecs, uh, you can see the influences in Aztec culture, probably not so much their predecessors, the Toltecs, because the Aztecs came from North America, it is believed. Right now there's a History Channel series um, that has been on for a year uh, in search of Aztec gold that really tries to identify where exactly they came from. And they were known, again, getting back to the whole notion of, of, of Hebrew terms and, and Zionist terms, they, they refer to themselves, and, the, and this country itself comes from the word Mexica or Mexico. Mesh, it's, it's actually pronounced with the X in Near Eastern uh, dialect as Mexico, not Mexico, Mexico. So they were known and referred to themselves as the Mexica. And the language that they spoke was an Atahualatl. And that word is certainly quite close to Hebrew and Aramaic syntax. So you've got a situation where basically there is a, there's this very long con that's gone on in order to be able to convince Americans and the whole world at large, actually, but definitely Americans, because we do take so much pride in our freedom, in our sovereignty, that we were free. But it allowed for the establishment in 1913, as we talked about, you know, first the sinking of the Titanic as, as uh, perhaps a ritualistic exercise associated with these people who had, in fact, breached the Masonic lodges um, because Freemasonry like most of the secret societies, although they did have an overbearing quality to them, to say the least, and I have no interest, despite my father's having been a Shriner, zero interest in partaking whatsoever with what I know, especially after reading the Hiram Key. It just seems very contrived beyond words. Um, you have the Federal Reserve emerge in 1913 to maximize control, scientist control of uh, American affairs in order to be able to control the money supply, which, as was noted, he who controls the gold controls the world. And, of course, when you are able to remove the gold from the equation, as happened uh, when Roosevelt ordered the confiscation of gold and during the Great Depression, and Nixon and Kissinger conspired to abandon the gold standard uh, in order to institute the petrodollar on behalf, again, of the Zionists. And if I hadn't mentioned it before, Saudi Arabia is part of the Zionist quote-unquote cabal, uh, a word itself that comes from Kabbalistic. You know, they are all associated, and the Kabbalah has many good attributes. I, I absolutely appreciate the value of much associated with it. But at the same time, these institutions have been corrupted severely by Zionist interests in order to be able to maximize control, or what in military jargon is referred to as full scale domination or, or full spectrum domination is, I believe, the term. And we're seeing it. Um, I'm going to get into some of the real horrors which have occurred that a lot of people are not even aware of yet. But before I do, I want to talk about something because it has a direct bearing on the ultimate, perhaps, manipulation of our perception, what I referred, I've referred to in the past as hacking our realities. 
Dr. Joseph Farrell, who I've referenced before and speaks uh, frequently with Daniel List of Dark Journalist, did in fact last night about uh, certain aspects associated with the UFO files, JFK, that make complete sense now. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and the whole connection to uh, um, polio vaccine. Uh, he got very much in, more into things that I did not expect him to, and the um, the tendrils that all connect together back to Israel and Meyer Lansky. Um, where was I going with this? Okay, so he mentioned in passing in a much older interview that he believed the Great Pyramid was capable of producing temporal distortions, which is to change the path of time on a wider scale, which makes a lot of sense because certainly what would need to be done in terms of our reference points, temporal being reference points, primary reference points, and the Schumann resonance definitely by its very nature a, a temporal expression. You know what I'm saying? We're relying upon the Schumann resonance in the ionosphere to determine when precisely certain functions occur, circadian rhythms with respect to sleep cycles, so forth and so on. Alter that, and you're going to alter those functions. You're going to alter how precisely things are perceived, how the eyes function, how the what I refer to as the biomagnetome functions, which has a direct bearing on the experiencing of time. So it's entirely possible, and we already know from the, the effects the Ark of the Covenant produced in conjunction perhaps with Santorini's eruption and the, the seismic occurrences around Egypt, around the Mediterranean back then. We know how powerful these considerations are. So it's not a stretch to my mind knowing that the ionospheric heating arrays like HARP, like the one at Trono that has, has been alleged to have contributed to destabilizing Fukushima through the use of a tsunami, an earthquake, a landslide, an, a, an undersea landslide, and tsunami. It is not a stretch, especially in conjunction with the Philadelphia Experiment and Montauk Project, uh, I'm going to get more into that momentarily because it has a direct bearing on a lot of it, the contextualization of so much. For there to be the ability of these ionospheric heating arrays to produce the exact same kind of temporal distortions. And in fact, I believe there's a good possibility that, and I've talked about this before, it feels to me like something is wrong with the timeline since 9-11. I do believe that at least in part, 9-11 was designed to obscure the use of a number of different instruments. It is said by Preston Nichols, the late Preston Nichols, who I met with Kareen uh, as a result of Peter Moon introducing us back in 2014, that um, there is a particle accelerator in eastern Long Island, probably at Brookhaven National Laboratories, which makes a lot of sense. So much is going on. We've got the Cold Harbor Labs. We've got Plum Island, which is known with respect to the possibility of having introduced Lyme disease into the human population through migrating across Long Island Sound to Connecticut, Lyme, Connecticut, Old Lyme. Um, and then we've got the Montauk Project. So a lot of what Preston has to say and will really illuminate, will, will echo chillingly 
some of the things that we're going to be talking about have occurred during the pandemic. Um, but as I say, I firmly believe, based on being a sensitive, and I think there are a lot of us out there now more than ever, something was done to the timeline, deliberately done, or incidentally to however the illusion of 9-11 being attacked by Osama bin Laden or Tim Osman, as the CIA would refer to him, and the Saudis, or the Iraqis, but actually the Saudis, again, part of the Zionist grouping, I guess you could say, that we something was altered, something fundamentally was altered. The 21st century has felt wrong. It has felt like something went really, really, really awry. I think that you begin to see it, as I've said, with Y2K. I think that's the prelude. I think there's definitely a relationship between that and 9-11. You certainly do see the souring of Clinton as being this great successor to JFK in his second term. Um, the bloom falls off, to say the least. I think most, even most Democrats would concede. And now with what we know has gone on uh, as a result of both the Clinton and Associated Gates Foundation, Council on Foreign Relations, again, the Rockefellers, technocrats, technofascists, rather, to be more accurate. Um, it all comes together. It all begins to make sense. And what both I'll be... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bielek, in an interview, this is the second artifact I wanted to refer to. Both of what Al Bielek and Preston talk about with who's alleged to be Art Bell, and it doesn't necessarily sound to my ears like Art Bell, but it's quite been, it's been quite some time since I heard Art's voice. He's dead, I think, at least 15 years, but don't quote me on that. <clears throat> on Coast to Coast AM, um, could be George Norrie. does definitely sound like him as well. He's talking about what went on at Montauk and this notion of a mind amplifier, which again, since Stranger Things is based upon the Montauk Project, we can see based whoever, those of you out there that have been able to watch the fourth season of that show, that um, Eleven is the remaining poster child for, for mind amplification, producing effects that are non-natural otherwise by use of uh, computer uh, systems, uh, routines, I guess you could say. And this all went on, according to Preston, according to lesser extent Al because he and his brother, who were known as Duncan and Edward Cameron at the time, arrived to Montauk from the Eldridge, which was part of the Philadelphia experiment. And as I've said, Tesla was involved with early on, but he sabotaged it surreptitiously in order to be able to, A, walk away from the project not long before his death, which may have been or may not have been associated with that decision and B, try to prevent them from going any further, because he certainly had to have been mindful of the dangers involved, and they were profound. They opened a wormhole, 
as, as it goes. They created a rift in the space-time continuum, which, again, sounds so science fiction, but when you look at what has occurred since, it is not a stretch, you know, it is not an existential stretch to believe that this is entirely possible. Yeah, and there's been books written on it, and I think they've been unpublished or whatnot. You can't find them, but my grandpa had one about the Philadelphia Project, and it's very, very detailed. My brother took it, and we haven't seen it since, but there's people out there that think these things didn't happen, and they really did. Like it's, like you said, it sounds like uh, science fiction, but it's reality. Like Reality is stranger, really, than science fiction. Oh, oh absolutely. And the thing is to understand, when you start to begin to understand the science, and I've talked about this before, I, I understand the science inside and out, no pun intended, because some people have characterized that as the experience. Um, I know this is viable. I know it's doable. Was it done? I can't say for sure, but the results, what we've seen since, and especially what Preston talks about in, in respect to the, the, the Montauk Project, it is COVID-19. It is the pandemic. It is Operation Mockingbird and Operation Northwoods and MK Ultra. Yeah. It is These all are of that and more. Yeah. They're creating, they're, they're creating displacement uh, of souls, that, you know, walk-ins artificially. They're, they're doing all these things to corrupt people's experience of life, which is exactly what they're trying to do. You know, Klaus Schwab and Yuval Noah Harvari, they're trying to basically hijack, as I said in, in the program that I did, the title. In fact, I title it, Hijack Our Plane of Existence, Artificialize the Afterlife, Artificialize Every Aspect of Existence. Now, why they're doing this is, is it, there's still an element of mystery to it, but I, I think, A, because they have such unbelievable contempt for nature. Why? I don't exactly know. Maybe because it's too random, although they pretend to embrace it. You know, the whole notion, uh, you see the 2005 UNESCO, UN, United Nations bioethics um, edict, past whereby we're reduced to just one more form of livestock and assigned a serial number because we want to make sure we protect the open you know the open spaces and and other forms of life it's a very strange situation where these people are so where they worship a form of science that has nothing to do with life it's right. antithetical to life because it really does it doesn't understand anything about anything at the end of the day it doesn't understand existence but again they are trying to rather than trying to improve optimize or maximize their experience of organic life they are trying to completely remove themselves from it in order to be able to be immortal a lot of this is about immortality because they don't have faith these are not people that have faith for all their protestations for all their wedding to hardcore judaism and Christianity, you know, their, their threat to exercise Noahide, Noah, no, I cannot pronounce that word for the life <laughs> of me, which is not just related to Orthodox Judaism, but also Christianity, I found out, because again, they're not separated. And of course, Sharia law under Islam, whereby if we don't follow the edicts of their little storm god in a box, we get our heads, our heads cut off. I'm right. not exaggerating. This is what they are threatening to do. They're waiting for the 
apocalypse. They're waiting for the second coming of the Messiah. They're waiting for the rapture, all these things. They believe they're going to bring about the rapture because of the actions they're taking. And in a way, they are, because basically what I'm about to tell you is, is so far beyond the pale in terms of how much damage, uh, carnage has occurred as a result of this pandemic. People are not going to be able to absorb it, some of them. And I, I give fair warning now, and I apologize. This is horrific on a scale that we haven't even touched yet. And before Certainly, we even go there, the conversation. we do have to go to our but second But we're going to talk about it momentarily. <laughs> yes. Um, so... Before I get there, I want to talk a little bit more about a conversation I had with another person, also introduced to Corinne and me by Peter Moon. Okay. Uh, gentleman um, by the name of Peter Shampoo. Pause there on Peter Shampoo, because we do have to go to our, our second music break. And okay. then we can. Okay, have... let's do that then. Okay. All righty. So on this music break, we have Prime Example with PowerPlay. Prime Example has our friend Quest Nation who is our musical host. He gives us all of our music, most of our music. Some of it comes from um, general artists or whatnot, independent artists, but they're going to be singing Power Play. Then we have Dan Medina, who is originally from Gravity, but he set out on his own with I Won't Let You Go, Gravity with My Last Goodbye, and Fred Johnson the Third with After Dark. You guys don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this music break. Now you're not guessing. 
But power means the fact that the devil's got you go That's my Ebenezo and now he's going loco If you got a problem, God just stop Power from the churro and you're in his outfit Why must the fist stay dirty so filthy? Get off your rear and whitewash the pickets Power for cleansing, power for sanitizing Power for us, power for the rising of the sun Cause in your darkest hour you can look up And express the feel of power, yo I need your power play.
Welcome back, and thank you so much for joining us this evening on We Are Paradox Media's Late Night in the Rockies. This evening, we have Mr. Jim Moses on, and he's been running us through all kinds of good stuff. We left off on Mr. Shampoo. Yes, we did. Yes, we did leave off on Peter, and another Peter introduced again, as I was saying, to the late Kareem DeWinner, who was a friend of both of ours, uh, and me by uh, Peter Moon, who had written the books about the Montauk Project, the uh, Montauk Chronicles, um, I believe it's called, if I'm not mistaken, Montauk Experiments in Time, I think is the subtitle. At any rate, uh, Peter Shampoo wrote a book of his own, one of the most definitive on geomancy and uh, Earth energies ever, called uh, The Gaia Matrix. And I had uh, traveled up just uh, up uh, close by me, comparatively speaking, uh, as compared to where Preston lived in, in upstate New York, uh, to his house at the time. He's moved around a fair amount since. But uh, I wanted to call him. I wanted to get his take because I had a great deal of interest. Partially, I, I noted uh, earlier in this show and in the previous one with respect to Scott Onstott's Sacred Geometry compilation video uh, as to the deliberate, seemingly deliberate uh, planning of San Francisco's harbor array uh, to be reflective of Egyptian conditions, uh, landmarks, the Golden Gate Bridge being something that was associated with uh, Egyptian mythology and Alcatraz, a prison signifying material, the material state, uh, Treasure Island, and Coit Tower, of course, being dedicated, effectively dedicated to the union of Isis and Osiris. But I can also now, in retrospect, having watched the Cameron and Simca video, uh, that the Bay Area is very comparable to the Nile Delta. I think that it may have been what motivated this decision to arrange such landmarks as they did. Whoever was responsible, I hope to be able to find out by reaching out to the San Francisco Historical Society, but didn't have an opportunity to. And um, But Peter basically has done, in fact, ironically, had done a Zoom presentation about the, uh, the, the, the circular emanations, the ley lines, magnetic ley lines uh, in North America as well around the world. Very, very, very good. I will absolutely include that as part of the uh, aforementioned set of resources. Something that he mentioned with respect to the Great Pyramid that I alluded to earlier and directly relates is that the amount of disruption, confusion, turmoil, unrest in the Middle East, in Egypt, in Israel, in, in, in the Sinai Peninsula and on the West Bank, Gaza, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Turkey, Iraq, all could be in part as a result of the inability of the Great Pyramid to function as it was designed, missing the capstone and missing the limestone outer casing. Um, I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to propose either. I think there's a distinct possibility some truth exists uh, because we're talking about effects that are very, very jaw-dropping when one actually would, would witness them. So I fixated a lot on San Francisco because I think there are parallels. I think it is certainly an epicenter, Stanford being an, a, a notorious... CIA lair uh, and Berkeley to a lesser extent. The whole Bay Area has a history of being associated with Zionism. 
uh, although it's not something that's readily noticed by your average person. A lot of the tech sector, Silicon Valley, is very much caught up with this, uh, as well as Jeffrey Epstein. The connection between Mark Zuckerberg, John Brockman of the Edge Group, who I talked about, that was directly responsible for working with MIT and Harvard, uh, Charles River Analytics to produce the uh, – my mind's not working – the um, – <sighs> the synthetic parasites in order to be able to mimic neural functions. Um, all these things that we've witnessed or some of us have become aware of as a result of endeavors to understand better what actually was happening behind the scenes. Certainly, I would suspect a percentage anyhow of the listening audience tonight. Uh, I have amassed tens, thousands and thousands of resources otherwise in the last three years. It's pretty getting, we're very, we're very close to three years proper since the first case was diagnosed in, um, in uh, Wuhan or Italy, depending upon who you ask. But we now know that there's an awful lot of things which were not evident, and I don't know whether or not I had mentioned, I think I did make reference to the University of Pittsburgh professor, um, a um, Asian, more than likely Chinese, but I'm not certain of that either, who was murdered by uh, someone from Microsoft, also Asian, uh, who then in turn allegedly killed himself, uh, you know, attributed to a uh, love triangle. And the reason why this person was murdered, Dr. Brian Artis had discovered this when he began to recognize evidence for their being synthesized venom, snake venom, specifically uh, cobras, China, the Chinese crate snake, uh, a number of things, uh, a, uh, a cone snail. And it was thought to be just those. It was fairly modest in terms of how much venom had been introduced into the, uh, the novel slash COVID-19 organic chain or biologic chain. But it turns out, and this is as a result of a study, uh, Italian study, either late January or late of, of 21 or 22, I believe it was 21, that there are actually 36 different types of venom which are incorporated into the strand, peptides, enzymes, which are designed to break down biological functions. That being 20 different serpents, including the aforementioned Chinese crate, a number of other types of crates, cobras, and 15 what are known as conogastropodic or cone snails, different types of snails, as well as a starfish. Now, by any reasonable measure, this is just beyond the level of horror associated with this is hard to articulate. We have evidence that it's definitely been a contingency on the part of the CIA and a lot of intelligence agencies, those who are charged with assassination, uh, overthrowing of governments, dual, you know, um, elected governments, such as Ukraine, 2014. Um, but it's hard to conceive of one's own government or an agency which purports to be part of a government, the United States, acting in such a way. And there's been a lot of it. There's been an enormous, we know the amount of deaths in the United States. I've already said with some confidence 
looking at there being gross underreporting across 12 services, including HHS, including theirs, and just getting worse, except a lot of it is getting exposed at the same time. They are failing. The narrative's collapsing, but it's taking too long for, I know, mine and a lot of other people's preference liking. Um, so we've, I think we can say that there are at least 4 million dead in the United States as a direct result of the, 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 um, the quote-unquote vaccines, the experimental gene-altering products, and that's being kind. And um, there was an, uh, an informed actuarial analysis, two of them, in fact. The first indicated that, based upon the same um, metrics with respect to underreporting, there, are at, there were at least 20 million dead worldwide as a result, and that's since been revised upon review to 25 million. Worst of all, however, is, and I've referred to Dr. David Martin before, I am now have a connection with somebody close to him, uh, communicate with that person on a fairly regular basis. By Dr. Martin's um, professional estimate, if there are no remedies brought, if there is no way to extricate, remove the proprietary electronic components, which absolutely exist, we now have undeniable proof, and certainly Anthony Fauci in his declaration, his December 5th, 2019 declaration to a congressional committee self-assembling nanotechnologies, in his own words, uh, that are predicated by wireless radiation, a, a process which I've referred to as in the, in the past as teslapheresis, um, whereby they um, telescope out and then collapse as a result of removing the wire, the specific wireless radiational values. A documentary came out uh, called Died Suddenly. Stu Peters uh, underwrote it uh, as well as something called Golco uh, that has since now been seen by 12 million worldwide. Uh, that aired on uh, November 21st exclusively. And my only regret is that some of the people involved with demonstrating these tesloretic properties were not included. I don't know exactly why. I certainly can imagine that there would be a fear factor associated with being part of it. But at the same time, had there been more focus on that, the arguments were going to be a lot more difficult to explain away the, the, the effects, what was being witnessed. We saw now not one but two unfortunate victims who had been jabbed get flung like, as I put it in one substack comments thread, flattened cardboard boxes under trains. Horrific to witness. Two different instances where this occurred. And people doing what I refer to as whirling dervish routines, where basically they start to go into a, almost a, a fugue. They're spinning around and then they collapse and presumably die or at the very least are uh, incapacitated. Dr. Martin basically removed of any potential remedies, and I am trying very hard to make sure that I am mindful of all of them as they emerge. I uh, have been communicating with a, a friend of mine who, unfortunately, as a result of being an official and a corrupt state's uh, agency, I won't name which, uh, contracted both lupus and shingles, had oh multiple gosh. jabs. 
She's in hell. I don't know how else to put it. Um, lots of pain, lots of discomfort, very difficult to function. And I give, give you her recommendations. I gave her a lot of them. The problem, of course, is trying to explain why these things work, because then you have to reveal what exactly has been done to them, what's causing these autoimmune diseases to uh, emerge so quickly as a result of the jabs. But I digress. Uh, I will tell you that as of now, the, what appears to be the most promising is something called EDTA chelation in conjunction with uh, intravenous liposomal vitamin C to, in, to maximize absorption uh, rather than excretion of the vitamin C, allowing for delivery and attachment uh, to chelate this garbage out. But absent a successful application of these, what appear to be remedies, David Martin believes in 10 years, there will be, at best case scenario, 300 million dead, prematurely dead as a result of these, of the, of, of these injections. Worst case scenario is 3 billion, or just under half the, the, the human population. Yeah, that's insane to think about, but at the same time, we're overpopulated. There's so many different scenarios, the Georgia Guidestone, so many different theories going into the mix. It kind of makes sense. Like every time we do get overpopulated, we seem to diminish whether it's an influenza or war or whatnot. Again, a lot of it has to do with poor organizing, unsustainable technology, economic systems, we really are not overpopulated, but we are not well distributed in a way that is going to be beneficial to the most amount of people. There is, to give you an example, just to really reiterate, the, the British crown owns one-sixth of the planet's land. One-sixth. And by extension, if you include the Vatican in that mix, although they're no longer a factor, I don't believe necessarily the crown will be, is if, or will be much longer. Yeah, you're talking about an enormous amount of real estate here. So that coupled with the fact that just by virtue of creating a contrast, I noted this as well, that if uh, you were to place all eight, eight billion people, we're not there yet, but we're close 7.8, uh, you know, however much our loss is a result of these machinations that have occurred the last three years. If you were to place all eight billion people within three feet of each other, it would only occupy 251 square miles, which is equivalent to greater Los Angeles. That is a very big difference. To look at the entire planet Earth, which has a, has a, has a diameter of, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 12,000 miles and a circumference of 24, I'm not positive. That's something that, again, Scott Onstott's video goes into great detail about because it's incorporated into the Great, the great Pyramid's uh, dimensions. Um, but we are not technically overpopulated. If we create systems that allow for, we could have 10 or 12 billion. There's more than enough room. It's the way we're distributed, and yeah. that's not by accident. And the things we're it, doing it, as well, it's just like... Some of it, but again, yeah. we're, we don't have a lot of control over this, Tessa. No. That's by design. We have been yeah. removed from the ability to have the, the best amount of control over our lives to prevent a lot of the eco-devastation. And unfortunately, there is an awful lot of manipulation of this stuff, as I alluded to with respect to the UN edict, Chatham House, 
the, uh, the, the compact amongst 192 nations to reduce population, to depopulate, in effect, whatever you make of that. Comments by Bill Gates, by Warren Buffett, by Ted Turner, by Prince Philip, by King Charles. God, I hate that term. I know. Um, that was never supposed to happen. <laughs> but and he's not long. He's gonna be he's gonna be removed. That's coming. He never wanted uh, he to is, have that title you know, anyways. He's, he's like, I don't want once it. once the queen is gone, the king is, is pretty much fair game. He's not you're, it's as they say, it's checkmate. And he knows it. And again, there's a lot of stagecraft occurring. Bells and whistles, you know, mirrors, uh, smoke and mirrors. As Zuzus I said, and before, whams. Yeah, um, Alice in Wonderland, Through the Looking Glass, <laughs> again, which brings us full circle to the whole notion of um, just uh, temporal distortions. But I also wanted to bring this into the mix. They are seeking to create an artificial brain. There, there is, is, is a, a um, overview that was written, I have from Substack, uh, a woman by the name of Anna Maria Mejalcia, who I may have mentioned. I don't know if I'm mangling her name. Um who's from Europe, uh, basically talking about the particulars, and that by itself suggests the ability to manipulate temporal perceptions on an individual basis, which I think has been going on as well, you know, for the same reasons. You know, if you know exactly, uh, Preston goes into this, he goes into the precise science involved with being able to influence individuals. There, it is, and I was, I was not as familiar with it previously, or I didn't remember a lot of what he had to say otherwise, but being reminded of it, it really does skew that they have this power. They have the ability to affect us to that extent should they choose. And these people are lunatics. They're nuts. They are dangerous beyond words. And thankfully, some of us, knock on wood, have not been victimized by them yet. Um, but where was I going with this? Um, I lost my train of thought here. Um, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. Thank you. I was start, I was talking about the whole notion. Uh, before that, though, um, we're in a situation basically where a lot of this has to do with bringing down the curtain. It's going to be a slow draw, unfortunately, slow lowering, much much slower than I would have preferred. And again, I don't know what comes next, but. One of the things that I've identified, and I want to put this out to the listeners, I don't know if there's anybody they know, but a technology exists called Fluid, spelled F-L-O-O-I-D, that presents immediately as the best way to achieve uh, sustainability in terms of being able to take thermal heat from solar radiation and convert it to electricity with also being able to cool large areas and heat large areas, of course, as well. But there may be other applications which haven't been identified that has, there is a relationship, albeit a, a slim one, to my own physics model relative to com compensatory or constructive displacement. Uh, that is at the core of all existence. Um, the co-owner with whom I'm speaking is looking to find for final investments a minimum $25,000. If anybody out there, although I doubt it, happens to either want to invest themselves or knows of somebody who's looking for a worthy thing to invest in, please don't hesitate to contact Tessa, who will in turn let me know about it, and I can put you in touch with said co-owner. Uh, this changes the world. I cannot say it loudly enough. 
We are liberated quickly from a lot of systems, particularly the utilities, although they will benefit in their own way. They will no longer be able to charge the same kind of prices because they will not be doing the generating. And the cost, uh, the ability to purify water, which now is going to be an enormous consideration with the amount of contamination by these fools of graphene, quantum dots, hydrogel, masks, snake venom, snail venom, all these really vile ingredients now introduced into our ecosystem, our air, our water. This particular technology can, for a very low cost, desalinate and purify water, whereby it was not viable uh, financially unless someone had an awful lot of money to burn. It now can be done very affordably, and this is, this is huge. I can't stress it enough. It's existing technology, but it's never been combined in the way that this, this fluid system does. And I'm getting behind it because I think it's the best way to be able to emancipate many, many, many communities to decentralize, de disengage. Are you still there? Jim? Hello. For the foreseeable future, until there are reforms affected, um, we need to become far more self-sufficient in a lot of ways. I don't necessarily advocate for completely decoupling from a lot of different things. I mean, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I, I'm not happy that there are only very specific places I can obtain things that I'd like to have in my life. And I, you know, I think many of you can say the same thing. But as you're able, certainly support businesses which are not going to contribute to the Zionist model they're trying to push through uh, in the form of the Great Reset, Fourth Industrial Revolution, transhumanism. You know the terms. I'm, I don't have to tell you. So I wanted to put that out there. But with respect to the other concern that I have voiced loudly, that being another geomagnetic polar reversal within the next seven to 25 years and trying to figure out a way of being able to mitigate the likely catastrophic slash cataclysmic effects whereby there would inevitably be a 90 degree axial pivot and most life wiped off the planet unless they were able to prepare in some way that has still not been determined to be 100% effective. There is what is known as the MMS project that NASA has instituted and what that stands for, give me one second, I'm going back online again because I want to be able to quote this. It seeks to identify the nature of magnetic relationships with the sun, magnetic explosions. Uh, August 31st of 2012, what's known as the Magnetospheric Multiscale Mission, uh, passed the Systems Integration Review. And I believe it's supposed to, it launched in late 2014, and it does observe a mysterious process to which I've referred called magnetic reconnection. Um, and basically what that can be referred to otherwise is the formation of wormholes. Um, I don't know that I had an opportunity to mention my relationship I've established with someone who... Uh, is a proponent of the electric universe model called by the name of Shifu Kariaga, but he refers to it, or they, the, the uh, school of thinking refers to it as uh, earth spots. And what that suggests to me, 
I don't know whether or not the new another new History Channel show about the Bermuda Triangle is going to touch upon these considerations. The whole notion of some of these planes flying out directly out into outer space suddenly doesn't become so ludicrous to contemplate. Right. Although scary as hell. Um, yeah. That's not something you're maybe going to be able to return to easily. Um, I also have contemplated, rather than having a full-on Dyson sphere around the sun in order to be able to regulate or control our coronal mass ejections and micronovae to prevent said exit pivot from occurring, although we can't provide for, necessarily provide for any ways, any sort of galactic factors that are, that are absolutely affecting how severe these, the, you know, these reactions from the sun would be. It also occurs to me that it might well be a way of controlling solar chemistry, regulating it so there would not be the same kind of really awful effects visited upon the planet, upon the Earth, upon all the, you know, the entire or most of the heliosphere. So that gives me some encouragement because when I looked at it and said, all right, this makes a certain amount of sense. If the solar wind is going to be the means of delivery of these cosmic these these cosmic rays that would definitely affect the low velocity zone under Greenland and cause the pivot as a result of losing so much ozone from or to geoengineering for over a century, as I've talked about before. Uh, something else I should add now that I think of it, I almost overlooked it. Mike Adams has corroborated, corroborated my uh, aluminum uh, stainless steel. Uh, synergistic relationship that definitely contributes to the formation of cancer through mutagenesis by identifying as one ingredient uh, uranium, which of course is hor horrific by itself that we have radioactive elements uh, being introduced into our bodies as a result of vaccines. Uh -huh. uh, but the other thing that I didn't know is, is that we have a crisis whereby exponentially larger amounts of cesium-187. This is something that attorney Todd Callender brought to my attention during a Zoom session he posted or shared through uh, Vax Info Choice um, that I received feeds from. Uh, another radioactive element that is not good to be, in, you know, uh, internalizing. It just isn't. And that's definitely through the aforementioned means, geoengineering, you know, chemtrail spraying, as well as vaccines, more than likely. I would think vaccines would be one of the lesser egresses as opposed to uranium. And, I mean, uranium, a little is a lot. There's just no other way to put it. All sorts of nastiness contributes, certainly, we know, through radon and radium to, uh, to lung cancer. Um, and we see the evidence of radiation poisoning being the basis for COVID-19, which directly ties in with the aforementioned venoms. I mean, it is just... A perfect storm when you look at it no other way to put it i can only say in closing we're coming up pretty close to them yeah I'm we have young. about uh 16 minutes i did see that i'm not young i don't know how much time i have in this incarnation to be able to have any real impact on on events <clears throat> all i know is is i do not want to see this feedback loop as I refer to it in my notes, I'll read verbatim because it really does drive home the point. Uh, 
I do not. I, 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 it is my fervent hope that we can find a way of taming these millennially neurotic souls and prevent the worst impacts from what we've talked about in terms of, of the cataclysm. Um, you know, avoid suffering any further cognitive and cultural design as a species by virtue of being inevitably stuck in another unconscious 6,000 to 12,000 year geophysical feedback loop and go through this all over again. You know, we've been tormented by these, 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 these entities, these human entities, because of their trauma, because of their response, their reaction to what happened to their ancestors. It's got to stop. We've got to break the cycle, that, that cycle anyways. However much we can mitigate the larger cycle, we've got to break the resultant cycle now because it's just not going to get any better if we don't. And I do believe, I think we are going to prevail. I think we're going to succeed. It's not going to be easy. These are going to be some of the most, again, challenging years, decades that humanity has ever experienced. For the Tons very of, reasons I've talked yeah, about. Coil and tribulation. I mean, that's the word for it. So, again, I think that pretty much brings me to the end of my thoughts, you know, the summation of my thoughts. If there are questions, if anybody wants to comment, I know you said you had some questions. Um. This would be a good time. We've got about 15 minutes, as you noted, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, I'm all ears. Yeah, we have a, a little over 15 minutes, but yeah, I have the same feeling as far as end of times. And I've had visions and stuff about it since 99, I believe, was my very first like massive one that like really woke me up. And I, mm -hmm. I, I summed it up to, well, maybe it's because I fell asleep in the recliner and the news is on right now, but I don't know. I don't think so. It was just so real, but I do believe that there's a lot ahead of us and, um, a lot of people are going to, a lot of us are going to be here for it. A lot of us don't want to be here for it, but there's well, a lot of shifts happening. Second thoughts about it. Right. Definitely. No maybe, question. Yeah. Maybe I didn't want to do this. No, it's going to. It's going to be what crazy. did I send for up here anyways? Yeah. <laughs> but I vaccines. think that there's a large number of people that have sensed to varying extents we were entering into a time unlike any other in their lives um, and that it would be, although not necessarily recognized, uh, recognizable as quote-unquote revelations, the tribulation, you know, uh, hopefully not the rapture because i think there's some implications with that i flat out don't like and again i am not a biblical literist as you well know not yeah. religious non-deist i think that a lot of this is knowledge that has been carried through as a result of the simultaneity uh, simultaneous nature of time people knew people were aware of these things because the the contingencies the experiences were existing adjacent them. There's just no other way to put it. In the multiversal model, not just mine, but others, that's how it works. And Preston articulates the exact same thing, almost to the letter, even though I don't remember any of this after so much time has elapsed. You know, it, it was, I, 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 it arrived to me independently, you know what I'm saying? 
I did not just borrow what they were thinking or communicating. Um, I did want to say one thing. If you, I, it sounds like you don't have any questions per se, and I don't know I if do, anybody else has come in. One thing I wanted to say is, is that I want to really reframe Christmas the opportunity as the opportunity for people to just be good to each other, to be oh, decent, yeah. to remind ourselves that we are interconnected, that there is an opportunity to really serve, be, be, a, be, be a steward of freedom. Definitely. You know, to serve the truth and, and, and not use it to injure people, as has gone on, distortion yeah. of same. Um, it's just an opportunity, an excuse, if nothing else, to be good to each other, to be decent, to, 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 to really remind ourselves what's at the core of Christianity of all these more nobly minded philosophies. That's really what it comes down to is for our own good, good for goodness sake, goodness yeah. sake. And as Be I good said, to good each and other. God are synonymous. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's not just a cliche, it's constructive. It's, it's desirable. True. We don't want to live like animals if we don't have to. We want to be able to, to be good, to invest in other people's ideas, to have freedom, to have peace of mind, to know joy, to not have to be slaves to ideas and to other people's visions, that right. there's a way of being able to contribute without giving so much of oneself. There's nothing left over for oneself. That's why you got to take care of yourself. And those of us that are like that feel guilty for doing that. But if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. And it does take a lot of exactly. energy exactly. and a lot that, of time you know, to if learn. If you're not good to yourself, if you don't love yourself, you can't love other people. If you're not good to yourself, you can't be good to other people because it goes back to the old golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yep. And if you want to punish yourself, then you're going to punish other people to provoke that. Yeah which again goes into the masochism. In other words, the belief that you don't deserve to be happy, that you don't deserve to yes. be free of fear, that you don't have the right to expect that you can be treated in a way that will allow for those things, which is all inculcated by these creatures, that, that this is the way they live. This is, this is the way they look at their existence, and they've superimposed it upon us. And this is the best, most joyous way of 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 belying it is just having having enjoying our lives christmas is an excuse for that the holidays are an excuse (laughs) for that yeah i actually uh, got over that hurdle like about seven years ago i was like man i finally found the wall that was in front of me and it was like you're saying i felt like i didn't deserve to be loved so i was pushing people away and once I realized that, like, I was able to tear down that wall and get past it, and things have been so much easier since then, because um, we do deserve to be loved, no matter no matter what. Um, and we got to start with ourselves. And sometimes, and sometimes it can be tough, because yeah. you need to be able to forgive yourself, you know, not beat yourself up, because you don't feel good about ha- that attention, and I understand it, and it's not... It's not something you can turn on and off. It's, it's a, you know, it takes two to tango. Most instances, there are not a lot of people, however much they may claim to the contrary, oh, yeah, I can love anybody. <laughs> uh, well, let me see that first before I believe you. Let me and show I'm you this little judgmental. test I have. <laughs> no, it's true. Which, again, goes to the individual nature of value. Each of us are going to place value 
as 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 we recognize collective recognition, which becomes critical in order for society to survive. But this is not that. This is preferences. This is I really feel something. This is you know I want this person or this thing in my life, and I make that decision for myself. No judgment attached. You know, if it's for the right reasons, and most of them are going to be right, there are, of course, those wrong reasons related to exploitation and narcissism and, you know. Yeah. But so so I've said that, too, and I think it's important because after what we've been through, I think that the holidays have taken a beating. I don't, for a lot of people, my sense is they're not even necessarily sure how the hell to celebrate anymore. I actually um, signed up the other day. I ran out of gas in front of... The social services office. <laughs> I went up to try to get a voucher for gas, but my insurance was expired, so I couldn't get it. And um, they were talking about bell ringers, and nobody's ringing bells in Bayfield. So me and the littles went out and rang the bell for two hours on Friday, <laughs> and it was awesome. Like not only were we ringing the bell, but I was playing some rockin' Christmas music on my phone through a speaker, and ringing. Mm-hmm. We were ringing the bell to that, and the kids loved it. Towards the end, during the last, like, 45 minutes, Floyd's hands were hurting and Lily was hungry. But, yeah, they really loved it and enjoyed it. And I'm just trying to teach them through example to, you know, help each other. And, and you know, these guys helped us out with our electricity last year when we all got COVID and Vern almost died. Um, yep. So I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to go out. I'm going to ring that bell. And the owner of the store was like, man, we've only had one other person besides you guys come out. So... I'm going to try to do it every Friday, at least. To me, when you're in a position that you can do so, and I don't know how much I'm going to really be able to embrace the holiday spirit. I wish I could more. I can't do it by myself. I mean, I can, but with respect to the fullest embracing of it, you know, uh, hopefully there will be some opportunities to reconnect, but there's been so many conditions attached with respect to concerns about shedding, quote unquote shedding, ambient transmission, from those who mm-hmm. did get jabbed, I, I have to be mindful of that because I, you know, we don't necessarily know how we're going to be affected. The likelihood yeah. if we're in good health is we won't be. And I don't want that to stand between reuniting however much I'm able, though I have serious. Well, I think like your way of serving your fellow man and helping us is what you do. You share information. And, um... Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I, 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 I fully recognize that. But in terms of being able to have a life outside of what I'm doing, right. to strike a better balance, to have a relationship with people that, you know, are practically speaking extended family. But how much I don't know that I can do it if there's a complete state of denial either for long. You know, maybe it's a right. situation where you suspend the differences in perspective for the sake of having a holiday. I don't know. I, these are, I really would like to be able to clear the air. I think that a lot of people feel the same way. And if Mm -hmm. there are opportunities, I certainly am available, you know, with respect to my family and friends, they know that I've talked to some of them. There's others. I wouldn't even broach the conversation now because I don't know that they're ready for it. They may never be ready. And that actually brings me to a little bit of another dark note. Reiner Fulmink, who I've mentioned, the lawyer from Germany that has been involved with getting all sorts of testimony a full day, the grand jury, before there were problems with the Corona Committee, has, as a result of conversations with particular pathologists and um, health experts, 
characterized effects of the shot, at least in some who receive specific ingredients, as having been lobotomized, which is horrific. Mm-hmm. And But you can see the zombie-esque element, unfortunately, and whether or not they can be brought back, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's possible. I think some I will wake up, but I think a lot of them are just kind of stuck in the rut. But it's very, very important that we, those of try. us who have recognized myself included, certainly, uh, that, and, and I will be, as long as I'm not attacked. I'm not going to tolerate being attacked because people are furious, mm-hmm. enraged. And I understand it. You know, I have enough emotional intelligence to understand why they are, but I'm just not going to be the bearer of it. No. Um, those who are in need, regardless of what happened before, how, whatever they said, those who are in need and sincerely want to try to have me help them, I will. And all of us need to be ready for that because there's going to be millions, millions and millions of them. And I am trying to prepare myself for that. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how I strike that balance. If, if I'm, that It becomes a primary area of focus for me. And I think it's something that's absolutely necessary. I would not want to be in a position where I had that level of need and people were not. But again, the conversation we had during the break, you, you know, that is kind of like a microcosmic expression of what I'm talking about here getting me over the hump, getting me beyond where I've been for too many years. These people are going to be in dire need and they're going to need what they're going to need most is empathy, forgiveness, mercy without judgment. Mm -hmm. And to try to be able to process what has been done to them. And that is, it's almost too much to handle. And if you think about it for too long, you know what I'm saying? What, how violated they've been. Horrifically. So, as I've said, yeah, really suffering, really going through really, really, really suffering. And they, they don't deserve it. No No. one deserves to suffer really. And that includes the bastards that that have created these conditions. And I use the word bastards because in a way it fits on a number of different levels. Um, Jim, I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you off, but. We're right we're, there. I know. Yeah. We're ticking down. Have, have faith in yourselves. All of you. I appreciate the opportunity to hold court again. Have a great holiday, whichever one you celebrate. And here's to a much better 2023. I am available. As I said, the set of resources will be on Tessa's Facebook page. And I very much encourage you to have a look at them at the very least. Indulge in them. For sure. So uh, give us an email. We are paradoxmedia at gmail.com or look me up on Facebook and y'all get it through to Jim. But I just want to thank you so much again, Jim, for being on the show. It's always awesome. It's such a blessing, really, for me. And I really enjoy it. And yeah, super glad you're back. Very grateful. Well... I will try again. It's going to be on a need, you know, as as necessary. But um, I, I appreciate the opportunity to, at the very least, if this is the last one, and again, eleven. You know, eleven is one of those <laughs> masonic numbers of great 
import, not right. intentionally chosen, but um, I have pretty much, I think, delivered an awful lot of information, which could be a great benefit uh, to many, 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 many people. So again, as I say, if there are friends of yours too listening, uh, those of you listening, if you have friends that need assistance and you have questions, I have many, 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 many resources. Please don't hesitate to reach out to Tessa for that reason as well. For sure. I also want to thank everyone for listening this evening on VR Paradox Media's Late Night in the Rockies. I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your weekend. We will see you back here same time, same batty place. Until next time, 90 night, love and light, and take care of my news, and make sure you take care of each other.